I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Sports and brands are synonymous with one another. The Boston Red Sox are known for the famous Sitco sign that resides beyond the green monster. The University of Oregon goes hand in hand with apparel and shoe giant Nike, and the University of North Carolina is tightly associated with the Jumpman himself and the Jordan brand logo that graces its uniforms. There is no doubt that brands have made a lasting impression on fan bases everywhere thanks to sports. Brands have a really interesting opportunity to actually create some traditions around game day that are synonymous with the brands and finding things that are meaningful to the brands and become great traditions. A carpet company rolling out the carpet for the team to enter the field or a particular sign being reminiscent of the kind of offering that a company can bring or a sponsor of a particular segment or kind of content that becomes part of a game tradition. But how brands become one with a university is a sticky topic. It requires identifying the right fit between a brand and a school or sport, implementing a proper strategy, and activating the sponsorship at the right time. With another year of collegiate athletics around the corner, Jennifer Davis, the CMO at Learfield, joined the show to discuss how the company brings big partnerships to life between brands and universities. Plus, she explains how sports marketing has become a much more integral piece of the overall sales funnel. Enjoy this episode. This message is brought to you by Salesforce. Hey marketers, today's B2B buyers are more complex than ever and every buying committee has different needs and goals. Salesforce can help. We'll show you how to put each and every customer at the center of your B2B marketing strategy, and you'll learn how top brands like Lyft approach account-based marketing. Salesforce, market to every account, speak to every buyer. Find free B2B marketing and ABM resources at sfdc.co slash every dash buyer. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and today we are joined by a special guest. Jennifer, how are you? I'm doing well. Excited to have you on the show. Excited to chat all things marketing, as always. We're going to talk about your background, and we're also going to talk about the cool stuff that you're doing at Learfield. Let's get into it. How'd you get started in marketing? Well, I parlayed an internship in college to work for a software startup. I was reminded recently that like 10 hours after I graduated, I showed up to work and in a marketing coordinator role for the organization, I think I was the 10th employee and saw that grow to 60 employees and just use that as a platform to really grow, not just in marketing, but as a business person. And over the years, I've worked for different companies in different industries and got a different perspective, but it all goes back to those very early days selling software to schools, which is what our original business was. Awesome. Yeah. So tell me um, a little bit about what it means to be CMO of Learfield IMG College. Yeah. Learfield, um, for those who aren't familiar uh, with the company, is um, a leading provider of multimedia rights services and a whole host of ticketing and licensing and marketing services for universities, particularly athletic departments, but we also do work with performing arts centers and others on campus as well. 
and beyond. And then we work very closely with brands to connect them to fans. And so at the center of our world is talking to, to fans and college sports fans are some of the most loyal and enthusiastic fans of any product or service on the planet, I, I'm convinced. And so what it's like to be in the CMO role here is to be surrounded by the passion and loyalty of college sports fans. And so who, who are your customers? Is it, is it those, um, those colleges and universities? We do have products that are purchased and consumed by universities, but we also have brand clients that we support from a marketing perspective, putting together sponsorship programs so that they can build their brand and, uh, you know, acquire more customers among, among college sports fans. Cool. So what are some kind of examples of, of the types of folks that, that you would work with? Well, we have national clients as well as local clients. So you can imagine if you just picture a, you know, a college town and a stadium or an arena, there are lots of brand clients within the shadow of that stadium. And then zooming out, um, we have uh, regional brand clients that work across properties uh, and they you know, want to advertise to fans in, in the state of Georgia or across the Midwest. Many of them are global brands, um, but that will reach out to, you know, connect with schools across the country. Recent sponsors at, uh, at that level have been, you know, brands like Unilever and Kellogg's and Nissan and others that are, you know, reaching more broadly and have a national reach. Tell me a little bit more about, about what it means to be CMO and, and chief of comms here. Are, are you working with customers on a day-to-day basis? Are you working um, on you know, marketing campaigns on a day-to-day basis? What, 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 are, you, uh, what are you working on? Uh, I, I think every day is a little different, um, especially because I'm relatively new to the organization. I just crossed over 100 days. And so it's been a little bit of everything. First and foremost, there's, there's nothing that beats interactions with customers. And our partners have been teaching me a lot about what's important to them and uh, to our business moving forward. So certainly um, brand client interactions, you know, work with our school properties are all very important to, to me onboarding. I would also say that I've been spending some time analyzing the business, getting to know uh, the nuances of how we go to market and putting plans in place and uh, innovations in the, in the marketing organization that would take us to the next level. Uh, we have grown organically and through acquisitions. Learfield has a history that's nearly 50 years old and has changed dramatically in that time. And so there's a lot to learn. And uh, so I would say it's listening to our partners learning, and then putting plans in place for the future. And that includes campaign planning and system and technology infrastructure establishment and design work that we're doing, um, working across our entire portfolio. So every day is a little different, that's for sure. And I'm curious, like, how do you kind of navigate, you know, setting up a marketing strategy and structure for for you know one company that has so many different types of solutions and and uh, and and types of things that you offer. This is one of the areas where I think my previous experience at Amazon Web Service serves me because 
the AWS portfolio obviously is broad and deep and very has a lot of diversity and variety to it. So I was able to learn a lot about how to manage a broad and diverse portfolio of products and bring that to Learfield. So I guess that's primarily how I've approached it is this idea of creating a an offering to our brand clients that unifies the story that we have to tell. And so the real emphasis for me has been really understanding who the hero of our story is, who is the buyer, the customer, the influencer making, you know, our business run and then matching the right solutions to that. And uh, so that's how I've approached it. And we do have a diverse portfolio, many of which companies that are wholly owned subsidiaries and run independently. Um, we have different brands, but I've really been pulling that those together uh, to look for opportunities for synergy, opportunities for best practice sharing, and frankly, just cross-company collaboration. So we've implemented like a marketing advisory council, pulling senior leaders across the whole company together uh, to facilitate some of these conversations, which had either rarely occurred or didn't occur at all before. I was going to ask that, like, what what was that process like before uh, before Litterfield, before um... You know, any of this? I would say before I came in, others started thinking about pulling this together. And frankly, we have a new CEO as well who mm-hmm. emphasized looking across the business for these best practices and collaboration points of collaboration. But I would say the emphasis was on individual businesses with a leader running and achieving their goals independently and being managed more like a portfolio than a platform. Yeah, if you totally. will. And so coming in, I think myself and, and others before me in the organization began to see the opportunity for pulling some things together and really taking advantage of the expertise, the deep expertise that exists in the company in pockets and pulling it together for the benefit of the whole. So that's been one of the things that's been important to me in these early days. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a very funny thing, right? When you have you know, the strength of a company where you have all these different, you know, brands or, or, you know, GMs that are leading brands that have been running it like a business, right? And right. and when you come in as someone is trying to kind of figure out how you can stitch together what you need to cross sell opportunities, figure out all that stuff, it's a, it's a unique challenge. Yeah, it is. And it really requires a consultative approach, I would say, because one thing I knew coming in is that I wasn't going to know everything. I didn't have the, like, I wasn't coming in with the answer. <laughs> I'm so glad you heard me because I have the answer. It was more of let's discover it together. And we've already started to do that. Discovering what is right for each of our individual brands as we pull those together, what is right for the corporate story that we're telling. All of those is is deeply informed by the wildly talented people I get to work with every day and learn from. And hopefully my job is to facilitate, to orchestrate in a way, to bring out those best talents and superpowers and weave it together in a way that's cohesive and really brings meaning and value to, you know, to our partners. And you've been CMO a, a couple of times before this. This is something, as you mentioned, you know, you're, you're past your 100 day mark. So you've, you've got a little bit of time under your belt here on this, but was there any like way that you approach this different from times in the past or, or some things that you wanted to make sure that you, you accomplished in that amount of time? 
Um, the short answer is yes. This is not my first time in this chair, um, and I ho hopefully <laughs> I've learned some things along the way. If any of the listeners on the show find themselves looking to make a transition or to step into a new role, whether promoted internally or recruited from the outside, I highly recommend creating a your own onboarding plan. And especially at the senior level and coming in at an executive level to an organization, some organizations are better than others at putting together onboarding plans. But even companies who are exceptional at it tend to fall down at the executive level because they tend to not put executives into the same you know, rookie camps as, as other employees. And so it's very important to have a, a plan for success and to create what many call a, a strategic imperative. You want to do an assessment of the organization. You want to come in and be able to paint a clear picture. So I set some goals for myself. My, my goals were to get to know the organization, to get to know the people within it. I actually took the opportunity to connect personally to everybody in the marketing and comms organization, um, even if it was for a quick chat and just putting names to faces and getting feedback. I immersed myself in data and conducted some research of my own. And all of that helped lead to some conclusions and ultimately a, a strategy plan that I read with our executive team, uh, you know, over the over the past weeks and uh, rolled out even in the past couple of weeks to, to my team for this new fiscal year that began July 1. And so being able to put that all in place and start executing it against it is very important. And I would say one of the things that is a huge unlock of value that I did this time that maybe I wasn't pur as purposeful about in previous roles was pre-boarding. And what I mean by that is prior to my official start date, I got a list of some key stakeholders and some key collaborators within the company, and I scheduled meetings with them before I started. I literally could do nothing for them. <laughs> we could just have a conversation with the goal of me listening and hearing what was going well, what were some of the challenges, how they imagined us working together. And those pre-boarding conversations, I had been told that they would be really powerful. And for me, they were absolutely game-changing and helped accelerate me into being able to execute on that 100-day plan. I love that pre-boarding. That's great. Pre-boarding. <laughs> you know, you're you're in that mode. You you did all that setup work. You're looking at longer term things. I'd imagine, you know, getting some quick wins and all that. And now you're trying to say, okay, what's my plan of attack here? Are you do you have any campaigns in the works? Do you have any things uh, that you're really excited about right now? We do have some things coming down the line. I don't want to. I, I don't want to disclose them too early. But there's some work that we have done to really understand the college fan that I'm excited to get out there. So stay tuned, everyone, for hearing more about some research that we've done and some analysis uh, that we've embarked on to really understand the college sports fan and that audience, if you will, and yeah. how brands might tap into it. So that's something I'm very excited about. We've been obviously investing in this space not only for decades, but with a data and analytics platform over the past couple of years. And to see that translate into um, some insights that we can uh, syndicate. So I'm excited about that. 
I'm also excited. <laughs> Let's just acknowledge for a moment that this past year has been a strange one for sports and live events. For so sure. coming back into this fall, I'm excited for just the renewed interest in the space and people coming together, you know, fall football kickoff and the like has, has been such a strong part of so many people's traditions and things will feel quite normal to many people when they can get back to listening to their favorite teams or back into a stadium um, or engaging with their favorite schools. And so I'm excited to see that come to fruition. And that's been a real big theme of the conversations that we're having with so many of our brand clients that want to be part. They want to be part of this kind of monumental coming back together, you know, because people never stopped being fans. They just, they were kind of, you know, unfulfilled fans that, you know, they're totally really engaged the way that they normally do. Um, And so what we've done is layered, you know, the return of some more traditional fan experiences like game days and the like campus experiences with a whole host of digital solutions that we can connect to fans, not just on game day, but every day using first person, first party fan data, which is obviously very important in this cookie free world that we're emerging into. And those now combine to create really integrated experiences for brands. And we're excited to see, again, all of this kind of come roaring back together. You know, take it a great, amazing school like the Army West Point uh, Black Knights, uh, which is which if you if you go to Learfield.com uh, and check out their partners, you'll see my 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 uh, my beloved Black Knights on there. You take someone like that, obviously, you know, for Army, it's a global brand. You have you know a massive number of graduates and all sorts of people that want to be part of what you know Army is doing at any given time. What does it look like when a company wants to work with uh, a school like that or a university or something? Like what, like how does this normally work? Are they, you know, for, for, for our listeners who are working at, you know, a brand right now that want to be, uh, that want to do more work with uh, collegiate athletics or want to want to work more with the university? Like how does this, how does this work? Great question. And it is, as nuanced as the brand conversations that we have, but there are some themes that are that emerge. First and foremost, there is a diversity in this portfolio that we can bring. So a lot of this happens in consultation with the brand to really understand what they're trying to accomplish. But for any given brand, the components of an integrated campaign and sponsorship could look like in-stadium activation of signage. It could look like spots on radio and audio broadcast of the games. It could look like digital um, engagements on the official athletic websites and in programmatic display ads that go out uh, across multiple platforms. It can also be all sorts of signage and activations that happen in a hospitality context. So some brands want to get their brand name out there. But other brands use college sports marketing to build loyalty among their current customers by inviting them to hospitality events and and kind of VIP tailgating experiences. So we do that as well. So um, if you imagine, if you will, kind of that simplified marketing and sales funnel of awareness and consideration and preference uh, down to loyalty, we have kind of offerings that hit every single one of those. And um, that actually might be a surprise to many 
brands who might be thinking that sports sponsorships are really top of the funnel, broad brand yeah. awareness. And we certainly like we've you know spent decades perfecting that, but we have added to it over the years with more and more offerings that take the brand lower and lower into the funnel uh, with an engaged fan. And we've seen really great uh, conversion success on sweepstakes offers and digital advertising and other things that actually, again, round out that portfolio and allow you know the brand to connect in new and meaningful ways. And we don't stop there. We've actually innovated whole new products that we have brought to the college space. For instance, we, uh, for the past couple of years, we've done a esports tournament series that we call Level Next, which actually brings sponsors to students and, and other participants who are affiliated with the school actually participating in a sports tournament. And we broadcast those on Twitch and we have live commentators for hours on end as the tournament plays out. Again, a whole new way for brands to connect with fans of a school, but in, but again, not in a maybe traditional sport. So that's right. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a fun thing. We've done uh, Madden tournaments. We uh, just finished up a Rocket League tournament, and some more exciting things are coming in the fall. So stay tuned for for that as that continues to roll out. So let's say we wanted to get marketing trends to be like the official podcast like marketing podcast of like the Learfield portfolio, which I feel like from a budget perspective, we'll still have we'll to work on that. But I feel like thematically, there's probably a lot of marketing majors that are playing sports and a lot of people who listen, you know, who want to do that sort of stuff. Is like, is that the sort of thing that would, that would happen that someone would come to you and say like, oh, we want to be, or I guess that would, maybe that would be like a more NCAA thing. But, but if you wanted to be, you know, a sponsor of like a huge percentage of your portfolio versus like just those smaller, you know, sort of things. Is, is that like, or, or do we need to go to each individual school and say like, we're the official marketing podcast of like, you know, army, uh, well, we already are of army that's official, but so for there you else. go. There you go. I love it. So the question, the answer is a little bit of both, I would say, because college, although they have league affiliations, they're not a league, you know, so to speak, it's uh, each, each school has participates in, in games and sets a lot of their own policy and owns their own brands. And there are different opportunities, sponsorship opportunities at every school, because every school has different facilities and different investments that they've made and various things. And so what we do for our national partners who do want to kind of be the voice, uh, you know, across the industry is that we put together a program and then identify the schools across the country. And it could be five schools, 10 schools. You know, we work with 190 properties, so we have lots of flexibility there to put together something that gives them the reach that they need for that, those programs. And it's interesting because we've certainly seen people take that lens to say, okay, how can I treat this as a national platform uh, to get my brand out there and to engage with fans? We've also seen the reverse, which is an interesting trend that we're ha that's happening, where maybe a local credit union in Wisconsin will have a relationship with the University of Wisconsin, a very strong brand in the state. And they, through their analysis of their customer base and our analysis of our fan base, have determined that there are a lot of Wisconsin fans 
They don't live in the shadow of the stadium. They're not in Madison. They yep. live in California or yep. they live in New York or they live in Texas. And they would very well be potentially customers of this credit union or customers of other brands that have that affiliation with the school. And so we've also seen that reverse where a company who wants a national reach is using their affiliation with a particular school or group of schools to go national. Being able to tailor the programs to the individual needs of the brands is part of, I guess, the secret sauce uh, that we can bring to bear. Yeah. I mean, it's like my, my West Point example, right? It's like, I've listened to, I don't even know how many army football games and the vast majority of army football fans are not, you know, sitting there at, at West Point on, on game day weekend. I mean, and you figure just like alumni networks are so powerful and so, and they're constantly asking for you for money, uh, <laughs> but, um, but they're so powerful and they have, you know, such strong, you know, brand identities that enable to be able to, to reach those people all over the country uh, is, is a huge boon for a lot of potential brands. Absolutely. And it's, and it's interesting because just kind of zooming out as a marketer, as, as a business person, you know, I might love to get a Starbucks drink or, you know, I might wait in line to get the latest iPhone. I'm not camping, but I'm, you know, I might wait in line. But I'm not leaving money in my will to Starbucks. I'm not trash talking other people about my, you know, uh, yeah. other brands that I might consume. But people are are wonderfully enthusiastic about their brands, and they're so loyal because it's not just they're not just a fan. They are. You are Army. You have these affiliations. Maybe it's something on your resume. You're an alum yourself, or you know somebody who was, or you were raised uh, going to games. All those things. Um, are wrapped up in memory and experience. It's just a really powerful brand connection. And our brands find that when they can tap into that, there's just fans want to do business with people who are connected to their favorite college and university. And uh, we can tap into that at the local level and then also do national programs as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it speaks to something we've talked about a lot on this show, which is like, you know, so often, and I love sponsorships, so I always love talking about sponsorships, but it speaks to what I think is one of the strongest things that marketers can do is be as close to something that somebody like loves. That's like their favorite thing, right? It's like if your favorite thing on earth is Kentucky basketball, as a marketer, like I want to be as close to Kentucky basketball as I can get. If your favorite show is Survivor, then I want to be as close to Survivor as I can get. I mean, it's it's a little difficult with advertising, I think, because there's still a little bit of separation there. But with sponsorship, it's like, you know, this money is going towards, you know, obviously the school and the and uh, and everything. But like, there is a little bit more of a of a of a one to one, you know, relationship there than than when I watch an ad for, you know, when I'm watching Survivor for whatever for Pampers for my eight week old. That I'm like, I'm like, I don't think it's exactly supporting Survivor there, but for for schools, it really it really is. Well, you're absolutely right. And I also think colleges and universities are wrapped in wonderful traditions. You know, if you're a student at a school, there are statues in the lobby of the library that you're rubbing before a test for good luck, or there's a ceremony that you're a part of upon graduation or some milestones. And like colleges are about these traditions. So Brands have a really interesting opportunity, and we've facilitated this, in, again, over the decades, 
to actually create some traditions around game day that are synonymous with the brands and finding things that are meaningful to the brands and become great traditions. You know, a, a carpet company rolling out the carpet for the team to enter the field or a particular sign being reminiscent of the kind of um, offering that a customer can, a company can bring or a sponsor of a particular segment or kind of content that becomes part of a game tradition. I mean, like, how cool is that? And to be able to be a part of that as a brand for the long term is just tapping into every new freshman class and every new baby born in those fan families are just another potential customer that are coming into the fold and being part of that community, uh, even if it's a virtual community. So it's, it's exciting to see, you know, brands think about really tapping into that and having more meaning. They're not just running it as a short-term campaign. It's something that they're committing to, to be a part of that community. And I think that that sort of stuff is where the team can get creative. And, and it's not just slapping your name and logo on something. It's about how deep of a connection you can actually make one. And, and it, it's a perfect segue into this new world that we just jumped into uh, with name, image, and likeness. Changing college athletics essentially overnight, you know, you work with, with so many, you know, division one teams. I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on name, image, and likeness. And, and I think we're, you know, on the podcast, I've talked about like, this is a really exciting time for marketers because this is a you know, generation of people that it's going to be totally new and interesting how this stuff works. Yeah. And I think new and interesting are, are good words to describe it because there's a lot that's unknown. It's uncharted territory. We're excited about what the future might hold as these pieces come together. I would say our focus has been working with our university partners throughout the process of planning and, and uh, you know, as they have crafted their policies, you know, we've been a good partner to them, I hope, um, in all of that, so that they can help na- you know navigate every state and and frankly down to the school level or creating their own rules of the road. But there are some common themes that we're helping the universities with, um, for instance, around student athlete education, around student athlete sponsorship disclosures, so that the schools can stay in compliance. So I would say our lens has been really helping, you know, our school partners do what they need to do. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out in the coming months and, and years, really. I, again, I think uh, we're excited to, to be a part of that moving forward and, and again, partner as we've always tried to as, as the landscape continues to evolve. You know, another thing that you, you all recently did was you announced a partnership with Elevate Sports uh, it's helping schools drive revenue across their sports properties. I wonder if you could just share a little bit more about that and, and why that's why that's exciting. Sure, sure. Well, we have lots of partnerships across the industry as we you know bring best in class solutions together and and uh, make make them available uh, to our partner organizations. The Elevate opportunities is a very exciting one for a number of reasons. Uh, Elevate has grown their portfolio and I don't wanna speak on their behalf, but it's exciting to watch what they've been able to uh, do. And one of the things that we heard a lot from our partner schools is um, they wanted to explore more in the naming rights space. 
And so Elevate has some great capabilities there, some analytical tools they use to value naming rights of stadiums and arenas. And uh, some universities have done that kind of thing and others have not. And so again, it provides a great opportunity for us to partner and then when a school has an opportunity or a facility has an opportunity for uh, naming rights and other related kind of facilities optimization work, uh, we have a partner that we can bring in to to really provide best-in-class consultation and make sure that they're getting the maximum value from that effort. You wrote a book called (laughs) Decisions Well Made. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what was your inspiration? uh, and, And give us a sneak preview here. Sure, sure. The book is coming out in August from New Degree Press. It's called Well-Made Decisions. And the impetus for it, I would say, (laughs) writing a book has been on my bucket list for a while. Um, But then this thing happened called a pandemic and I was stuck at home. And I, so I feel like the formula was bucket list plus quarantine equals book. So that's, that's how that came to be. I was inspired to write on this particular topic because what I realized is I'm, I'm a voracious reader myself and I'm a student of business and leadership. And I didn't have to squint too hard at my own bookshelf and maybe even the writings that I had done in the past to realize that a common theme was around making decisions. And I mean that in a different way than is often thought about. We think about decisions as a choice, a binary, yes, no, pro, con kind of event. And in my experience in business, the decision is not the finish line, it's a starting line. And the value of any decision that you make happens because of everything that happens after. You decide to buy a company, I've been involved in those. You decide to launch a brand, I've done that. You decide to expand to a new market. All of those had a due diligence process where you converge a lot of activity and you make a decision you sign the papers, you transfer the capital, whatever it is that marked that moment. And then from, from here on out, decision scientists would say, great, you made the decision, you're done. But the truth is you make that decision right by everything that goes into the work streams afterwards. And so it's all about communication and culture and building the kind of capability in your organization so that you can execute and implement well. So that's what the book is about. I, I liken decisions to what Thomas Edison said about genius, that it's 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. Yeah. And decisions are just like that. The 99% sweat inducing work happens after the decision is made. And so smart leaders will identify what kind of decision needs to be made, will make it as quickly as they, as they can with the best information they have available and are building an organization that can execute well and make their decisions right. I love it. Couldn't agree more. That's 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 awesome. Well, we're excited to uh, to check it out here. Awesome, um, thanks. And we'll, uh, uh, do you have a URL where it's gonna, where it's gonna live? Uh, we can drop it into the show notes. Sure, absolutely. It's www.wellmadedecisions.com. And uh, again, by the end of August, early September, it'll be available wherever books are sold. Wonderful. That's exciting. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. What's next for Learfield? What's, uh, what's next for you? I will look forward to the fact that I won't be starting a new job and writing a book at the same time. That'll be nice uh, to be beyond that. 
really what's next for us is we're embarking into a, a new year. Uh, our fiscal year begins in, in July and new sports season. So there's so many things that are back for us. There's so many innovations that we've um, developed over the past couple of years that now we'll have a chance to really get out into the marketplace. And so we're excited to see where that goes. I know from a marketing perspective, our team is growing and we are we are evolving how we think about um, marketing at the corporate level and at, at a communications level and, and at the product marketing level as well. And so I'm building new capabilities into the organization that this will be a year of adding some capabilities, kind of standing up functions and doing a lot of experiments to figure out how, how best we deploy these new capabilities uh, to serve our partners. And so we'll be, we'll be rolling those out. And uh, again, it, it won't be long before I'm working on, you know, what our 2022 plans will be and uh, taking those forward, uh, hopefully informed by all those great experiments that I ran. And, and again, now that, now that um, stakes are really high, just, just wrote a book on decision-making. So hopefully we'll be able to make some good ones and then make the ones that we make, you know, right uh, by implementing well. So the, that's what's next for us, implementing uh, what's ahead and, uh, and, and planning for these next phases of the future. All right, let's get to our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing with Salesforce. You can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more about marketing on the world's number one CRM. That is Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. Lightning round questions. Jennifer, are you ready? I am ready. Number one, what is the hardest decision that you've had to make in your career? Probably to leave a role where I was doing well and I really liked the company and the people, but I was restless and felt like I wasn't growing. Do you have a favorite sports team? Well, we lived in Oregon for many years. During the years where Joey Harrington, Marcus Mariota were coming up, so really good years to be Oregon fans. So I guess the University of Oregon would be my first choice. If you weren't in marketing at all or business, what do you think you'd be doing? As a kid, I wanted to be an architect. That was my pursuit up until the point I took drafting. Oh man, I was so bad at drafting. And then I realized it wasn't for me. <laughs> Gosh. That was, I was really just truly bad at drafting. Um, don't like straight lines. <laughs> Never have. Yeah, the, the very precise arrowheads. It, it probably didn't help that I was a freshman girl taking drafting that was out in like the shop area and we drew <laughs> car parts for an entire semester. Uh, that probably played a role in it, but uh, I like to think I made the, I, I made a good choice or, uh, or it turned out well. <laughs> Indeed. Um, what do you do for fun? Well, I have uh, two kids. And so a lot of the fun that my husband and I do is, is the things that they're into. And so my son is a huge sports fan. So you can imagine how excited he is about me uh, taking this role, but uh like last night, we were watching uh, the Home Run Derby and uh, uh, cheering on uh, the talents that, that we saw there. So uh, we watch a lot of sports as a family. We love performing arts as well, plays and musicals and live music. We can't wait for live music to come back in full swing. And uh, we love to travel. 
just a couple of weeks ago, got back from a trip to Jamaica, which was wonderful, not only because the place was beautiful and we were with some friends who we love, but uh, just to get on an airplane was just such a novelty and uh, a welcome change. Do you have a uh, podcast or TV show or book that you've been checking out recently? I just started watching Ted Lasso. I don't know if I should recommend it. I'm just a few episodes in, so maybe can, that yes. isn't a good one. <laughs> oh, it's like the it's like the best show literally of the decade. It's incredible. During the early days of the pandemic, really before I, I consumed my life writing a book, our family was a big fan of The Good Place. Yeah. And uh, I realized that uh, some of the cast uh, were in other things. I had somehow missed Veronica Mars. So in the early days of the pan- pandemic, I like binge watched all those past Veronica Mar- Mars episodes. I'm not sure how I missed all of that. So again, it's been fun to kind of explore. Uh, also, I would say we are waiting with bated breath for the last episode in this Loki series. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Me too. Can't wait. Yeah, I know. Um, my my brain starts to melt or explode. I'm not sure which, but yeah, we're uh, Marvel's doing some pretty amazing things in television right now. So that's exciting. What is your best advice for a first-time CMO? Think like a business person. I think when you get to a C-level role, your primary job is to make sure that the business strategy is set, that the organization is working the way it needs to, that you're building the culture, that you're helping the whole leadership team be more effective. And uh, if you come in with too much of a functional lens, and now you need to know your stuff and you need to execute your marketing uh, strategies, but if you understand how the score is kept for your business, you're going to be a much better partner to your CEO and to the whole leadership team. Jennifer, that's it. That's all we got for today. Any uh, any final thoughts? Anything uh, to plug? Well, I would say that we are uh, doing some really exciting things on our website, and um, I'm looking forward to rolling those out. So if you haven't checked out Learfield.com recently, uh, by the time this runs, we'll have a, some new changes there that I think will be fun to, to share out. Awesome. Well, we really uh, appreciate you coming on. Everybody... Uh, has until August to check out the new book. I'm, I'm jealous that you did it. Uh, well-made decisions uh, and check it out in August. Thanks again. Thanks so much. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. 
the speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.